Welcome, O oh curious and inquisitive tenor, to the Cephalon Squared Lorecast. Be warned, major spoilers follow, so we recommend skipping until you've completed the game's core story quests. Otherwise, on with the show. G'day Cephalon Collective and welcome to the ninth edition of the Cephalon Squared Lorecast. My name is Cephalon Greg and I'm joined by Cephalon. Lucas, how are you good, sir? I am Good. Wow, ninth episode of our Lawcast. So close to the Big Ten. Yes, and the Big Ten will pretty much bring us up to date with uh, the main quest, provided the new war, new war doesn't come out suddenly and unexpectedly within the next five weeks. <laughs> so this is this is a thing. Yes, yeah, very uh, interesting. Yeah. So wow, good to be here. <laughs> it is. It is good to be here. So, um, how's the weather? I was going to say, how's the Warframe, but how's the weather? weather. All right, well, at 8, 8 p.m. on a Thursday evening today here in Ipswich, it is currently 15 degrees Celsius with a only a 39% humidity. So, it's it's feeling cold. Was that 15? 15. 59 degrees. 59 Actually, it's saying that tonight it's going to hit uh, two degrees at the lowest. So I'm looking forward to being snug up and all warm for tomorrow morning. <laughs> I just came back from Adelaide yesterday, last night. And um, yesterday last night. It's a new word. Yesterday last night. <laughs> and um, when I got off the plane, it said five degrees in Melbourne. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. And then you know how it says feels like? It's a mm. neg- negative one. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, fucked. So I walked out of the airport and it was like I just got hit in the face with an ice wall. Smack! <laughs> like, yes. what the hell? <laughs> There's something There's about some, um, some <laughs> cold wind that's coming up from Antarctica or some bullshit. Um, and it doesn't seem like bullshit. It seems very, very true because it was icy as funk. <laughs> anyway, tonight's not so bad. Right now it is. Let me just refresh because that was an hour ago. Still the same. It's 11 degrees Celsius, 80% humidity. So that's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. So not that chilly, really, compared to last night. Last night was freaking disgusting. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. So, strangely. To my knowledge, at least, I don't think there's been much that's really happened this week since um, the dev stream. I feel like there was something, but I can't can't quite remember all the top. Oh, uh, there's head. the new renown pack, new, new renown prestige packs. pack, yeah, uh, and whatever they call it, uh, the esteem pack on Switch. So that all of the new the consoles got a new pack that you can purchase with um, exclusive stuff. But apart from that nothing major so that is the mini news for this week and i suppose we'll just get right on into the law cast do you think so lucas i think so i was actually trying to see if i couldn't see what this new items were but oh well we can leave that till just skins speed one. yeah it's not not a major thing if you yeah. want the the packs go to your platform and take a look at them have a gander <laughs> indeed indeed but we will have more information on this weekend's 
podcast. Anyway, mm. so the usual intro to the lore cast. There are major spoilers, and today, more than any other time, really, there are huge spoilers, and we will be talking about all sorts of things, including the new war. So one thing I learned about the sacrifice while doing this research is it goes into a lot of historical info about Warframe, but also a lot of future foreshadowing. Mm, so, good funds ahead. Spoiler warning. Spoiler massive. warning. Spoiler you have warning. been warned. Exactly. So if you haven't done the sacrifice, don't listen. Seriously. There's some interesting stuff to, to hear in the sacrifice. But if you've done, oh, let's get on into it. Usual disclaimer, we are allowed to make mistakes. We're only human. Uh, we do res research as best as we can, and certain bits of info can slip through the cracks. However, this quest is so massive and so convoluted that I'm sure I've missed stuff. And I probably made some mistakes as well. I researched as best I could, but I had a very, very busy week this week. So please forgive me if there is anything missing or if I've glossed over something or if I've misattributed something, and we will fix that up in the future, if that is the case. Just point it out to me. All right, we ready? We're ready. We've got three three discussions, Lucas, so three discussions. warm up your discussion mouth. All right, I'm putting on my discussion hat wherever it is, somewhere around here. <laughs> Any discussion yep, undies? Get them all warmed up. Yep, yep got to get them too. <laughs> All right, so we're starting with the apostasy prologue, of course, and if you want a dictionary definition of apostasy, I brought that up, uh, and it says the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief or principle. So effectively, in my understanding, this refers to Margulis, and we are going to talk about why pretty much now. <laughs> so the apostasy prologue requires completion of the chains of harrow and also for the player to have built their personal quarters and you just want to do that anyway because personal quarters is awesome once done the players will find a small glowing light over near the window which is actually a glowing representation of lua i wasn't aware of that did you know that lucas i did not know this yeah so apparently it's a purple hologram of lua huh Anyway, clicking this will kick off the Apostasy pro Prologue. There's not really any fighting. It's a bit of a flashback. You're just sort of walking through a location and hearing Margulis and Ballas talking in the background. And then when you receive, you uh, enter another location, you hear other people talking. So, um, yeah, you're hearing Ballas and Margulis, their last discussion, really. And this boils down to Ballas's inability to save her from the decision of the executors. She doesn't believe that he can't do it. In fact, she clearly insinuates that he won't save her from certain death, which is really interesting. And when she says this, Ballas's response is, all he says is he asks for her forgiveness, um, which is an interesting response to, you've betrayed me. <laughs> so clearly he did. Um, so the decision of the executors, of course, is death from the Jade Light, unless she recants her beliefs. Now, another... Uh, synonym for the word recant is, well, apostasy, the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. And another way to say to abandon a belief is to recant on that belief. So that's an interesting choice of words. Anyway, she chooses not to, and she is eg executed by the Jade Light. Now, there's only, there are a few references to the Jade Light throughout um, Warframe lore, but there's only one real reference to what actually happens 
as a result of execution via the jade light. And that is in the Detron Crewman Synthesis Law. Uh, we will discuss this even more later on. And in this excerpt, another Archimedean is put to death by the jade light, leaving only, and I quote, mist and gore, which is gross. And I like it. <laughs> Lucas, you have had in the past other thoughts on the jade light. Did you want to go into that? Um. Well, okay. Looking looking at this now. That it's probably I, not realistic. It's probably. No, no, it's probably not. But I, I kind of figured that maybe the, the jade light had something to do with the, um, uh, the means in which they turn uh, one's mind into a cephalon. And I mean, there's no nothing here really there to say that it's not the case. For all we know, the jade light could be literally stripping their mind from the body to a point where it turns the body into mist and gore. Um, who knows? It is, it is a possibility, but I'd, I'd say it's probably not. But no. who's to say what happens to the mind when the jade when they're put to the jade light? Yeah, it's, it's just it's a very interesting. Um, uh, name for an execution the jade light oh yeah i'm, yeah. I'm just going to just going to casually kill you with the jade light yeah it's very mysterious and it, it and balas actually refers to the jade light a few times in the sacrifice which is interesting mm. um so yeah there there was a time when lucas and i both kind of had the well it was lucas's idea but i i was uh, interested in the idea and I did also see it in a few places around the internet that maybe um, the jade light didn't kill people but it just uh, turned them into um, cephalons but alas I don't think that's the case because it turns them into mist and gore fabulous all right so anyway let's move on um, from this point as the player progresses they eventually enter an area at the end of a tunnel uh, and this is an area that doesn't look unlike the, the reservoir that um, you see at the end of the second dream. But rising from a pod here is not another Tenno, it's actually the Lotus herself. Uh, and as you reach her, Ballas arrives in person behind you. And this is the first time we actually see and know that an Orican still actually 100% still exists. You know, we have uh, an inkling that there may be other characters in the game who either are Orican themselves or are descended related. or related to yeah. Orican, but this is the first time that we see an actual Orican uh, from the lore appearing in person. Um, first and only time, I should say. Uh, so he arrives uh, and... What about the Worm Queen? The, the twin oh, that's queens. true. They're, they're technically Orican. That, that's true, but they also have gone through continuity however many times since. Mm. Um, but then again, maybe Bellis has to. How'd he live that long? Mm. Anyway, um, there's lots of lots of things we could go into on that. Um, anyway, he comes and basically says to, to the Lotus that he's going to save her. And the Lotus says, well, I'm not who you think I am. Uh, and that is that she's not Margulis. Bellis's response to this is very vague. He says, but of course you are. Imprisoned, just as she was. Now, that's very interesting, but still very vague. Makes more sense now, uh, especially with the release of this uh, Gas City stuff. But anyway, I will discuss that at a later date. He takes off the helmet. The two walk away together. 
Ballas promises not to abandon Margulis again. Perhaps he should have listened when he res- when she resisted in the first place. But anyway, the players left with the helmet, which will now be on show in their personal quarters. And from here on out, with the Lotus gone, Ordus replicates her in messages to the player. And that's the end of the apostasy prologue. Anything you want to add, Lucas, before I go on to the sacrifice? Um, not really. Oh, no. Okay, there was there was a moment where um, Ballas kind of flicked his wrist and and energy kind of shot out and um, yep. you know, released uh, Lotus. But at that same point, it kind of had a a negative effect on the Tenno. In which case, the the screen actually kind of flickers uh, a little bit, flickers, yeah, as as it did with the uh, the awakening in the second dream. Yeah, so I just I thought that was interesting to point out. Yeah, that is interesting. And there's also another point in, uh, it's one of the codex entries, uh, describing an Oricon person using um, a console, and they wave their hand over it, much like um, Ballas does. So it obviously shows that the Oricon have some sort of, if not... Technomancy? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably the best mm. way of putting it. Um, so it's pretty cool, pretty cool. But how, but how does that, why does that affect the Tenno? I think we might get into that a little bit when we discuss the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, the sacrifice starts out in a similar manner to the Apostasy Prologues. Uh, so, at first, while on the orbit of the, the player, hears the Lotus's voice calling them out, actually saying, Tenno, Tenno. Uh, so, going into your personal quarters and ins- inspecting her helmet will kick off a vision. Now, there's lots of visions that play out over the course of the quest. This is, of course, a main quest line with many steps, and each step results in either a new vision or some other form of story progression, and there are multiple threads happening at the same time. So, for the sake of brevity, I'll just say this. The quest is the result of the vision, and what occurs in the vision sends the player off in search of a rogue Warframe. Now, there's a lot more that happens but I am not going to cover the actual storyline of the quest. I'm going to cover basically what happens from a very high perspective and uh, what that means uh, in regards to the lore. So, the initial vision that you see, on the other hand, is very, very, very interesting. It's centred around Ballas and some dark variant of Excalibur, which we know, of course, to be Excalibur Umbra, in a courtyard or a graveyard. The actual point in time of this vision is unknown at this stage, but other references during this mission provide some insight later, so I'll get to that. Ballas then exerts complete control over the Warframe. So he basically waves his hand, and um, I think there's a flash of red light or something, and the Warframe's unable to control itself and fight Ballas, because it's obviously pissed off at Ballas. Uh, the Warframe then howls at the moon with some kind of uh, existential pain. Uh, Ballas then says the very famous quote, Howl all you want, it won't bring him back. Which is pretty vague at this point, but it comes very clear at the end. Um, he effectively allows the Warframe then to be destroyed by a bunch of sentient that were laying in wait. All the while calling the frame... A mistake, actually saying that he himself can even make mistakes, which is interesting. At this point in the quest, all of this is really unclear. Why is Ballas destroying a Warframe? Why can he control the Warframe? Why is he not afraid of the sentience? All of this will be explained, and more. 
The player soon finds themselves in this location. It's not that soon, other stuff happens, but you get to that location and you collect the items left behind, including the sword and a couple of other bits and pieces. Uh, now, it's presumably long after this first encounter, and I believe it is long after, and I'll get into that a little bit later. At first, I thought it was, like, immediately before. I thought all of that was happening at the same time, but now I do not. I'll get... Actually, before I get into that, what are your thoughts, Lucas? When do you think the Umbra and Ballas fight happens? Well, judging from the fact that when you actually get to the site, all of the all three points are still smouldering... Oh, that's true. I feel like it's actually just happened. That's what I believed in in the first place. But when I get to a certain point, I'll come back to that. So keep that in mind. Um, okay, where am I? So yeah, you find all the parts, you, th and this allows synthesis of the Warframe back on your orbiter. Now, every other time you have a memory after this, it's um, Excalibur Umbra's memories. So it's the, the visions that you have are Excalibur Umbra's memories. And these happen because you are attempting transference with the Warframe. It happens at several times, but the story just goes in all sorts of ridiculous directions that I'm not going to cover now. Given the manner in... And that's... Yeah, so that's what I've basically said. I've chosen to forgo, forgo the direct story progression because it's just too nuts. Because it's not straightforward. Anyway. <laughs> Margulis and another Archimedean begun research into proxies for the Tenno. So these weren't really the original Warframes. Um, it's just that she was looking at other ways that the Tenno could exert themselves onto other things. So she taught them transference. Now, because of her experience with Ral and his inability to control his void powers, she chose to, to teach them transference from within the dream as she didn't believe the Tenno could control them themselves. So she was eventually executed for her part in saving the Tenno and her research ended as a result of that. Um, but her research was to be picked up by Ballas at a later date. Ballas's work on Warframe, however, took a very different angle. Prior to the sacrifice, we as players did know that his research involved some sort of mutation via a variant of the Technocyte virus, and we did know that this was the Helminth virus, of course. But we didn't really know what else happened. You know, we didn't know how this was related to the Warframes or anything like that. We just knew it all sort of had happened. It is the sacrifice itself that tells this story in full, I might add. So during the sacrifice, two separate storylines are told, one of which essentially explains what's happening in the other, basically. So on one hand, the player experiences flashbacks through the eyes of Excalibur Umbra, as I said. And Excalibur Umbra, it turns out, was originally a Dax soldier. And on the other hand... The player finds pieces of something called the Vitruvian. Now, I expect that this term, the Vitruvian, refers to the famous artwork by Leonardo da Vinci, which shows the human form. Um, and it's it's actually in... in I, th I think it's got to do with symmetry. Um, and it's called the Vitruvian Man. Now, anyway, this Vitruvian is, or they are, because I believe there are multiples of the, the Vitruvian. They're basically Oricon USBs. <laughs> They're kind of a golden jewelry that, jewelry, sorry, that contains data, often communications between Ballas and someone else. Now we know exactly who this someone else is. It is, as he mentions, I think in the second Vitruvian excerpt, the great and terrible Hun Hao. 
So, Lucas, do we have any idea, and I know we're going to get into this later on, what, what's your thoughts on the information that Ballas gives to Hun Hao? Hmm. So, information that, that Ballas gives. Okay, so in, in, the, in the short term, he done the dirty. Mm-hmm. It's straight up, he's done the dirty. Um, any information that you give the enemy is betrayal, straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, try- he- I'm trying to actually think back to that 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 first Vitruvian. Um, actually, you got it down here. I've got it down there. <laughs> yeah, scroll down. Uh, first Vitruvian. Um, greatest of risk that I commit this recording in the codices within, within reveal the hidden weakness of your most feared enemies. Uh, my creations, my frames of war. So straight off the bat, it, he's, he's selling the secrets of the warframes. He, yeah, so over the course of all of the, so there's only, I think, four um, Vitruvian entries that we see. And he tells the entire story of um, what created the warframes. And in the end, where the Tenno are and who the Tenno are. Yeah. So he basically gives them everything they need to know. Yeah. Um, I did get stuck a little bit there just because I was looking for something else, uh, just to backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. um, about your discussion with um, Margulis and the person that she had um, brought on to help with a uh, proxy for the yes. Tenno. Um, that actually ties in with the Silver Grove the Silver quest. Silver Grove quest, yeah, it does. Yes, um, the person in question was Silvana, the researcher involved um, in the creation of the Silver Grove. Uh, she is the best infestation biologist. Yeah, she was brought on by Margulis, uh, and then later on it seemed the project was turned into creation of Warframes, and Margulis was removed from the project for her objections. Yeah, so obviously it, it seems that the uh, change in the... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Research was before she was killed. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, still doesn't, still doesn't change the fact that she wanted to, uh, she's the one who taught them transference from the, uh, from the dream and eventually, and that's why, uh, what's his name? Teshin, when he's talking to the player in the war within, and he basically says, um, she restricted you. And now she, you're she free basically, from... Yeah, she basically removed everything that made you Tenno. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he's he teaches you to use transference without uh, the dream, without the pod, basically. So, yeah. yeah, it's cool stuff. Very cool stuff. All right, we'll get back to that defection discussion later. Um, all right, so f- getting that Vitruvian, so getting the Oricon USB and plugging it into the um, USB port on your orbiter <laughs> changes orbit... It, effectively upgrades him and in this form he speaks a bit more uh hoity-toity a bit more la-di-da for some aussieisms there uh and he refers to the tenno as star child star child star child hey you going star child uh star child it turns out that the man in the memory the man whose eyes the players see through in the visions was actually a Dax soldier, as I mentioned before. And in fact, he was actually a highly decorated soldier having fought at the battle at Hull. Now we don't know where Hull is. (laughs) 
There's no information. I, I tried looking for information on the sentient battle at Hull, and I couldn't find anything. But all we do know is that he was awarded a medal for bravery as a result of this battle. Now, more than this, he was a Dax soldier that had actually intercepted Ballas's communications and uncovered his defection. So he knew that Ballas was in communication with Hun Hao. And for this reason, Ballas, Ballas punished him. Not only him, but his entire bloodline. And that's where we see the references to the Jade Light. He says, basically, he will kill your brother and his sons and daughters and everyone. All via the Jade Light, he says. Um, but he punishes the Dax directly by doing to him what he had done to others as well. And that is injecting him with the Helminth virus. So what is the Helminth virus? It was created as a new way to combat the oncoming sentient threat. So, originally the Orican had other sentient machines of war, but when the sentients arrived, because they were essentially their kin, they just subverted them to their will. <laughs> so the Orican found themselves fighting against their own machines of war. Uh, and this forced them to use other methods, so they went back to flesh and disease, basically. So the Helminth virus was effectively a hybrid of infestation and humanity, um, in, a, in effect making the subject more than both the infestation and uh, a human. So by infecting a human participant, some of whom were um, volunteers, probably many of whom were not, and all of whom, I believe, were the Orican's best warriors. So it says he put, he uh, injected their best with the virus. And their skin would turn as hard as steel. Their internal organs would solidify and become highly resilient. But they would remain aware of their humanity. And they would fight for the Orican. So they believed that the mind was untouched by the infestation. However, they soon discovered that they were wrong. And they, this was a failure, as all of these initial frames of war turned on the Orican and needed to be destroyed as a result. Soon, they turned to the Tenno, because the Tenno could be used to replace the tortured human mind within the Warframe. The Warframe being the body, and the Tenno being the mind. But perhaps replace the mind was the wrong word. Now... The reason I said earlier that I think the uh, time that Ballas goes and uh, kills Excalibur Umbra was a long time earlier is because I was thinking it potentially was when he destroyed all of the other initial Warframes. Uh, just because of the discussion that he had, basically, I was a failure, I failed, I created you, and now I need to kill you like I've killed all of the others. But there's no reason why it couldn't have happened now many years later, when Ballas finally tracked down Excalibur Umbra. So it's hard to say, because it is mm. still smoking when you get there, like you said. Yeah, and at the same time, you've got the whole, um, the going to the the, uh, the the prison where essentially um, Umbra was being kept. Like that, uh, by my understanding, that was actually kind of like a recent thing as okay. well. The, the Something had only recently busted out of Escaped. that prison. Okay, mm. fair enough. Well, yeah, in that case. But why would he have kept him instead of maybe because he wanted maybe, to punish him? Maybe you'd want to keep your original, the prototype. Yeah, or it was a torture. Or maybe the original was strong, too strong for normal conventions of destruction and but had to wait till the sentience so arrived. Yeah, oh, that's true. Because, yeah, mm. there were sentient mimics that killed him. 
Anyway, so yes, good discussions, good discussions. So, but what this does mean is that yes, all Warframes were once human. And they were mutated by the Helminth virus. Anyway, back to the Dax that Ballas is torturing. So Ballas had him strapped to a bed with a transference bolt to prevent escape. He injected him with the virus. He brought his son into the room as part of the torture. He played a game of Komi with him. So Komi is essentially the same as um, the Japanese board game Go, except mind-controlled. Um, and he eventually forced him to kill his own son. Now, it's this memory, this sacrifice, that Ballas wanted Excalibur Umbra to remember because he believed that this would drive him his anger and make him a better warrior when fighting the sentience. Now, that's my understanding of why he wanted to... Uh, him to re well he wanted him to relive it forever because basically he discovered his de defection and it was a form of torture for him but i also believe that he wanted this to be his memory because it would make uh, it would make him a better warrior better fighter but that's just me reading between the lines and it's never outwardly stated later when the tenno discovers this secret and builds the excalibur umbra warframe from the clues left on lua perhaps deliberately so it is possible that um, Excalibur Umbra deliberately lures the Tenno there so that the Tenno understands. The Umbra then escapes because its mind, when it's built, is still intact. Now, in order to enact transference on Excalibur Umbra, the Tenno needs to calm the mind, uh, which allows them to control Umbra. And in order to do so, you actually join with the vision uh, when he kills his own son uh, so basically in that final vision you see yourself standing in the back of the room and you say to um, the Dax soldier you say uh, something along the lines of you've relived this scene a million times in your head but let's do it together and I'll take some of the burden from you and then you, you experience that and that basically helps the Dax soldier get through the trauma of what happened and they allow you to control Excalibur Umbra. So that's why you can control them. And it also explains why when you um, use transference to get out of the Warframe, why the Warframe can continue to fight on its own because it still does have its own mind. Anyway, soon enough, the Tenno must come to fight the oncoming sentient army. Now, that's not, not really an army at this stage, but we do encounter sentient mimics, and Ordus comments when you see the sentient mimics that they haven't been seen since the Old War, and I'll just add here that they haven't been seen since the sacrifice either, D.E. Um, <laughs> but Ballas is also lying in wait, and I think the player knows that, or at least the Tenno knows that when they go there. And after a brief discussion in which Ballas tries to tell Umbra and the Tenno that they have no control over him, uh, in, at, at which point Ballas does control Umbra, the Tenno drives Umbra's sword into his belly. Now, the reason that Ballas is surprised by this is because Ballas does not know that the Tenno knows how to use transference without the dream. That's my understanding of it. Be uh, he can control the Warframe even while the Tenno is using transference, but as soon as the, t the Tenno transfers out of it, he can't control the Tenno. Now, when you mentioned before that he waves his hand and it has some effect on him, um, it may be because the Tenno is um, related to the Warframe, so maybe the Tenno does 
feel some effect of the Oricon hand-waving technomancy, um, but not complete control. Hmm. I don't know. That's okay. just my thoughts. Yeah, it's, a, it's a possibility. Yeah. It's, it's, it's still a bit, of, a bit of a weird one, um, and I would like it's, to see something further on down the track that kind of explains this. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see. However, unexpectedly at this stage, the Lotus, now Natar, in her sentient form, or in all of her sentient glory, she appears and she cradles Ballas in her arms, telling the Tenno that this is who she is. Probably, you know, this is who she always was, always was. And calling out to a mysterious mother, she rockets off into the sky, uh, which is a major setup for the new war, especially if you've seen the new war trailer. Oh boy. So, this is the end of the, the sacrifice. There's a lot that we learned, and that is, the main thing we learned was that Ballas created the Warframes, and he created it by inventing the Helminth virus, injecting it into humans, who then became the Warframes. And basically, a lot of them he killed off because their minds went nuts, and then a lot of them he used the Tenno to somehow wipe their minds because a lot of the warframes that are left now don't have their own memories they are just a um a proxy for the warframe excalibur umbra seems to be the only one that still has its memories intact so the the piece where the a lot of the warframes are missing their memories that part's still not explained but the fact that they were all created as humans from the the helminth virus virus uh, is of course confirmed something else that's confirmed is that Ballas completely defected from the Oricon and told Hunhao all of their secrets so he was already betraying everything and everyone before the end of the old war and in fact his information that he gives to Hunhao is the reason why Natar goes after the Tenno in the first place which I also found very interesting so, Lucas. Greg. What did you think when you first watched this, when The Sacrifice <laughs> came out last year? Um, I honestly didn't know what to think. I mean, shit, sentient Lotus, <laughs> or Natar, <laughs> just yeah. drops, drop, literally just drops from the sky and, and <laughs> with, with you know, a, a, a small platoon of, of sentience at a at a heel, it's just like holy shit! What have I what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, because the the apostasy prologue had come a couple of months earlier, and so we knew something was up. We knew she disappeared. We thought that was kind of weird. I think and that was a good like five six months difference between it, the two. It probably was because it was the apostasy was about December twenty seventeen. And yeah, then it was the too, it was December. yeah, and then it and then it was um, June, April, May, I think. yeah, June, well, it could have been June. just before um, Tenocon, when the yeah. sacrifice actually hit. Yeah, that's right. It was too, just before Tenocon. So it was about six months. So so yeah, Lotus just kind of disappeared for six months, um, and then when she returns, she's no longer Lotus. She's sentient overlord. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of the sacrifice quest. Had plenty of mind blowing bits and pieces in it, but oh, I definitely. remember when that happened, I was just like, "Holy fuck!" My jaw just hit the ground. I was yeah. not expecting that, and it's the last yeah. bloody three freaking seconds of the whole quest. Yeah, it's just okay. 
here's Lotus. <laughs> She's not the Lotus anymore. She's got an army of, of, of sentience behind her. They blast at you. She says a, a very cryptic message and then takes off, and that's it. That's literally how the entire thing ends. Exactly. <laughs> so, good segue, Lucas. Cryptic message. <laughs> cryptic she says, message. in my best Lotus slash Natar voice, <clears throat> Drifting, gaunt beyond the bleak star, Mother, I am coming home. So, drifting, gaunt beyond the bleak star. What the fuck do you think of this quote? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. Um, okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit deconstruction here, or de construction here. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the trailer that they released for the new war. We got, we've discussed this a little bit in, in, in the past, we got a little bit of a glimpse of the Tau system. And from where, from what I can remember, the Tau system looked like it was an absolute fucking mess. So, so um, maybe by the bleak star they kind of refer to um, you know, the, the Tau system not being as, um, uh, what's, what's what I'm looking for, as... Uh, Pristine, Ideally. the pristine as the as the um, origin system. So I did some research. Yeah, it is believed that the Tau uh, system is Tau Ceti, which is an actual star that's about twelve light years from our star. Yep. This, the reason that there's a lot of interest in Tau Ceti is because um, it is similar to our sun, and it mm-hmm. has a habitable zone um, at a similar distance from it that has planets in it. So that's why there's a lot of people watching it because they think, ooh, this could be a place where we find life. However, it also has a hell of a lot of space debris, rocks and asteroids Uh and stuff, and it's very sort of dangerous. The other thing is... In terms of its brightness and its um, being a sun, <laughs> it's only about 55% of the power or um, brightness of our sun. Well, there you go. The bleak star. So it is a bleak star compared to yeah. our sun, at least. Now, the drifting and gaunt part, I did some research into that as well. Yeah. In 2017, I think, Tenocon 2017, in one of the art panels one that i didn't watch and i watched today (laughs) they went into the original uh, ideas behind the sentient outpost um so this is how Uh, far back they've been working i I have i have seen the sentient the original sentient outposts now what they mention about the sentient outpost is that the very first sentient that went across to the tau system was a big beast the biggest of all the sentients and just to get to the, the Tau system, it was essentially destroyed and it broke into pieces. This was the mother of all sentience. So drifting and gaunt. So basically because it's not the same power that it used to be, it's drifting, it's gaunt, it's, it's um, you know, it's lost a lot of its energy, but it's still the mother. Yep. So yep. I think... That's what she's talking about. And they also went into they also went into the fact that it didn't die completely. 
So, because a lot of people were saying, well, what about Hun Hao? Isn't Hun Hao her father or mother itself? Because he mentions that she was a child from his own womb. But the mother would have been Hun Hao's parent. So the mother was the mother of all sentience. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I think this is... I think this is where it's going. I think that's yeah. what she's talking about. When she says she's coming home, she's she's saying, yes, I'm coming she's, to the tower system. Back, she's going back to the original, yeah. And I'm going to fucking get you and bring yeah. you back. Yeah. I mean, and, and you look at the, the new war trailer, they do show off a massive, massive sentient. They do. That, that you know, is referred to as mother. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Exactly. So I think that's all. Um, I think because I, I, I mainly wanted to explain what the hell those words all meant, and I think that's probably accurate. And uh, we it don't seems know for pretty sure. Accurate. I mean, drifting gaunt, right. uh, drifting gaunt, beyond the bleak star. We you know we just discussed it. You said that you, you researched into the the actual tower system, um, and that it is fifty percent. Um, only as uh, only fifty, yeah, yeah. It's only a percentile <laughs> of of our sun's strength, so it is very bleak in comparison. Um, Drifting gaunt makes sense. She's very very old, and she basically had to sacrifice herself to get across to the tower system. Um, so yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so I think it 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 makes it seem even cooler now, and I'm so damn motherfucking excited for the new war. Oh yeah. Anyway, so the next um, law cast section that I do will be on the Chimera prologue and the new war trailer. So I think we'll have a good discussion about that. Anyway, before we move on to yours, did you want to talk about the man in the wall and what he says when you get back to the ship? Do you want to talk about this? (laughs) All right. You be the man in the wall. I'll be the operator. All right. (laughs) Let's let's do this. Um, Go. Feeling better, kiddo? I killed him. Isa. Did you now? Is that how you remember it? Yes. Good. How fucking vague. Oh my god, so bloody vague. (laughs) Yeah, so for some reason, the man in the wall wants you to think that you killed Isa. Uh, I, I can't comprehend this. Like, I just can't figure it out at all. I no. had a lot of thinking about this. I had a lot of thinking. I thought about this a lot earlier today, and I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> There's really nothing to to you know line it up next to. I mean, ah, uh, I mean, a brief a brief thought just then was going back to the the fact that you you mentioned that uh, other. Um, other fucking frames had been destroyed, so maybe he maybe he wants to find the other memories of other frames. I don't, I don't know. It, it's it's the, it's a mess. It's no. Yeah. The biggest question uh, in the game right now is the man in the wall. Yeah, and even with what comes next in 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 our next lore cast, um, still questions. More questions. Actually, I think more questions pop up in that one. Exactly. <laughs> Just more questions, non-stop questions. More anyway, questions. that was a long law cast, and it was deservedly so, and I still left out a hell of a lot of stuff. So that was freaking awesome. But Lucas has done some research. What have you done, oh, Lucas? Yes, what have you got yes. for us? 
All right, so this one, thankfully, is a bit shorter, and it's just to cover up a, li a few extra things about the uh, good old Noodle Arm himself um, that, you know, weren't exactly explained to us properly. So to begin, uh, a quote. Fear is a weed, snaking in the dark. It vines within the mind, corrupting it. It germinates within tribes, dividing them. Your graces, we who are beyond death, have forgotten the simple power of fear. Let us now remember, you will find no greater power than the simple thought of your own name inscribed upon a grave. Quote by Ballas for Necros Prime. No relevance to what I had to say, just one of my favourite quotes. <laughs> okay, so... Ballas, one of the Oricon executors prior to the fall of the Empire, plays a vital role in the origins of the Tenno in which we have now become. In almost every story revolving around the fall of the Oricon, Ballas' uh, name can be heard, whether it be the creation of the Sentience or that of the Warframes, right on down to the imprisonment of Orden Karras, our beloved brethren Cephalon Ordus. Ballas was there for all of these events. So Ballas has proven time and time again that he is a bit of a tactical spider, weaving deception and bending those to his will, uh, such as the creation of the sentience. Through the synthesis file to the Detron crewmen, as we've discussed in, in previous to this episode, uh, it is revealed that the Archimedean, who had been working upon the creation of the sentience, had in fact been sentenced to the Jade Light for their abomination of a creation. When the Oricon learnt of what these creations could do and possibly be used for, it was decided that the Archimedean would be spared the Jade Light so that the project could be completed. During the trial, Ballas spoke a very clear disapproval of this project. Um, however, upon the trial's completion, Ballas then approached the Archimedean and simply said, you did better than I thought you would. It would seem nobody truly knows they want a thing until you threaten to take it away. Wouldn't you agree, Archimedean? This reveals that Ballas was not above manipulating other executors to achieve his desires. And as was revealed in the sacrifice, if somebody got in his way, then he held no qualm in using them in his experiments to remove them from the equation. Even at the betrayal to the Oricon Empire, and and yet it escapes me. Why was Ballas so adamant in the destruction of the Zaraman survivors? Indeed. There's a lot of things, I think, that escapes us all. Why did mm. he betray everyone? Well, I think it's yeah, probably related to the um, to why he was um, so against the Tenno. Yeah. It has to be, I guess. Because, yeah. I mean, one, one point that does get brought up is... Uh, with Margulis, he he clearly shows you know, distaste towards the the Tenno when they're under the care of uh, of Margulis, and I I I figure a lot of people kind of boil that down to just because he doesn't want Margulis to get hurt. But mm. the thing is, Ballas hated the idea of the Zaramon survivors, basically when they were found. Yeah, that from the moment right they were the found, it, yeah. So there was not even any in, uh, interaction with Margulis at this point. It was just 
these children have survived the void. I fucking hate them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right, you're so 100% right. Yeah, so it escapes me. Why why is he so why is he so adamant on their destruction? Hmm. More questions. Exactly. And this one I don't even know, so <laughs> I can't I can't say. Yeah. And maybe it'll and never be answered. Possibly. I mean Yeah. That, I mean Ballas hasn't exactly been tied up, but No, that's true. That's true. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We will indeed. So, how good was that episode? I felt it was pretty good. <laughs> so do I. I just, there was a lot of stuff we covered. It was friggin' exciting stuff. Yeah, there's not much else that can be said apart from just the stuff wow. that happened in the sacrifice <laughs> is mind-blowing. Uh, some of the stuff that happens in uh, the next one is mind-blowing, but I think the sacrifice is probably more so. Um, so there's, there's exciting stuff to look forward to, but there's not much else we can say this week. So I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. Anything else you want to add, Lucas? Uh, no, no, no. All right. So let's okay. tie things up for yeah. the end of Lawcast number nine. Number nine. Um, and we will do so by thanking our patrons first. So without these people, we really wouldn't be able to keep on improving things like we have been. Um, and keep doing what we're doing. So thank you to... Did you want to do it one at a time again? One at a time. I'll start. Rathok, thank you. Thank you, Adop88. Jellybean1799, uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Logan Neal. Lord Frieson, you champion. And thank you, lastly, of course, but not least, to Obsolete Ninja 13 so thank, thank you. you so much, guys. Yeah, to the first of our honorary Cephalon tier patrons. Um, thank you so much. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash Cephalon Squared. We've got a few tiers there. Have a look. See if anything would suit you. Throw us some support. Um, I've got a video there, and it goes into a little bit about the future and a little bit what we plan to do to make things even better so help us grow and grow the community and make it a better place for all of you good people speaking help us of help you indeed <laughs> speaking of a good place to go the website cephalonsquared.com is continually growing i have a backlog of about 10 new articles some of which are weapon warframe uh, weapon 101s and some of which are actually guides and lore articles from young lucas uh, <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of good stuff that needs to go up there. Go to cephalonsquared.com, check it out. Otherwise, join our Discord, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. I'm about to run a competition again on Facebook for a Cephalon bundle. Um, oh, have we not discussed this with the, no. the, the, the good peoples yet? We have Ooh. not. So I will run it this weekend. Uh, listen to this week's podcast. I'll run it for the next week. But basically, if you're not in Facebook yet, join Facebook for the chance to win 500 Platinum, uh, a booster of some sort. I believe it's an Affinity Booster and a Valkyr, just a standard Valkyr, but it's the Cephalon Greg Bundle. So we now have a Cephalon Greg Bundle and a Cephalon Lucas Bundle. So the Cephalon Greg Bundle's up first and we'll do the Cephalon Lucas Bundle next month, which includes... 
Zephyr! <laughs> and if you don't know about Valkyr and Zephyr, which are our favourite bays, what have you done, Lucas? <laughs> All right, well, just uh, just recently over this last week, I've uh, put a lot of sw- uh, sweat, blood and tears into designing my very own t-shirt. Uh, so you can find that on our, at the uh, Cephalon Squared uh, website. There's a link to our merchandise store. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I spent a good amount of time learning how to, uh, draw on a computer, which was painful as all hell. <laughs> um, but you did uh, but a damn good job. I'm, so. I'm pleased. It, it actually came out a hundred percent exactly as I envin- envisioned it. So I'm very pleased with how it turned out and it yeah. looks fantastic. So it's fabulous. Yeah. Go, go, just, just go check it out. You know, you don't. I'm not, not not trying to sell it or anything. Just just go out and check it out. If you want to buy it, I won't argue. <laughs> yeah, but just let Lucas know what you think. Shoot him in, uh, a message on Twitter or wherever and tell him, hey, I saw your T-shirt. Kick ass. Good work, dude. High five. Because <laughs> that will be the response because he did a damn good job. I'm proud of him. I can't draw, so... <laughs> I'm going to try and do more in the future, but uh, for now I'm, I'm going to rest because that was... That was a lot of work. <laughs> it was, but you did good. All right, so, usual, give us a rating on your podcast platform, spread the word, help us grow. My name is Greg Newbigin. I'm Mad Capsules all over the place. Who are you, Lucas? I am Lucas Silvestri, and I am Silverlight all over the place. S-I-L-V-R-L-G-H-T. Massive shout-out to our lovely, lovely community. Absolutely love you guys and the support you guys always give us. And um, just, in general, thank you so much. Indeed. Check us out on Friday nights at Mad Capsules on Twitch and Saturday nights at S-I-L-V-R underscore L-G-H-T on Twitch. Um, Otherwise, thanks to Yarn at Disco underscore Box on Twitter for the intro and outro. And thank you to you for listening. We'll be back in a few days with episode 46. 46. Getting close to 50. Oh, yeah. Anyway, thanks. Feeling old yet? Jeez, <laughs> uh, I'm not close to 50. <laughs> Friggin' hell. I guess Bye. I'm closer to 50 than you are. <laughs> Bye! Thanks for listening to Cephalon Squared. If you'd like to contact us, reach out via our website at cephalonsquared.com, where you can find us via email, Facebook, Twitter, or Discord. But don't fret, there'll be more Cephalon Squared in a few short days. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.